the irony that immediately <laughs> confronts me is that this podcast isn't exactly a very conducive medium to authenticity. Even right now, I'm kind of like speaking in my podcast voice. Getting discomfortable with authenticity. Getting discomfortable with authenticity. It's like that is inauthentic. That is me putting on a kind of voice and a deepness and a, a clarity. I'm, a, I'm affecting a kind of performance in order to sound the way I think a serious, impressive, professional podcast should sound. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of still doing it, even in this moment. <sighs> okay, I took a breath. There's like a smile on my face, but it's sort of a tense. Another, my stomach is rumbling, and I can feel a desire in me to... Like if you if you heard if the mic picked up the stomach rumbling, I feel a desire to edit that out. Like I wouldn't want you as a listener to hear my stomach rumbling. That's not this image of cool, professional, um, you know, serious podcast, slick. And I'm also noticing that this desire to kind of smile and laugh keeps coming up. And I'm actually, now there's sadness is coming up as I realize that that little laughy thing isn't the most authentic. But I know that I've heard from some listeners that they really like it. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, that was, that little moment right there was kind of forced, that that they really like it. I was like, I found myself kind of pushing the sadness out so that you would hear it. And then the laugh was like fake. It was, but it wasn't like I consciously decide, like I will now fake laugh. It was just like this kind of response to the awkward tension that I felt in the moment came out in this like laugh. But it wasn't, it wasn't like a genuine um mirth based laughter <sighs> yeah so if i actually want to be more authentic i notice wow i notice this is really hard to try to do my normal authenticity thing in a podcast because it feels so wrong. It's like this journalistic image and voice or something that I'm imitating. And to reveal and to, to actually notice for the first time that that kind of jokey, half-laughy way that I speak 
isn't fully authentic makes me feel like fear and shame that I've been lying, essentially, to the audience all along. (sighs) And now I'm noticing I'm in this space of like, kind of struggling to figure out what my authentic truth is. Like, ugh, like where is the real AJ in this moment? It's so hard to find given this kind of pattern I've created of doing the podcast the way that I do it. And I really like the way that I do it. I like doing it. I'm, I'm smiling again. Like I like connecting with this kind of smiley, laughy energy. It's it's an energy and I can kind of cultivate and connect with it. And it's not like it's disingenuous. It's not fake. It doesn't feel like a performance. But it's not me kind of sinking down into the most authentic place I'm in in the moment. And this whole episode is about that place of authenticity that I can sometimes sink into. Yeah, I notice a little bit of sadness coming up. You might notice if you listen to the last episode on circling that actually right now in this episode, I'm doing something much more akin to circling. In that episode, I kind of talked about circling, but in my slightly enhanced podcast persona, I'm now realizing. And so it's interesting. I'm also noticing like a lot of self-consciousness, like I'm really monitoring my face and my emotions and my tone to be like, is this, is this authentic? Is this authentic? Is this authentic? And it's a bit like maddening. Like I kind of want to yell and be like, leave me alone. I would normally edit out these like pauses and breathing, but I notice that a big part of connecting with authenticity for me is silence and slowness. like patterns come in quickness. They come in fast. They, they're like a roll down a hill to get into a pattern or, a, you know, like a conditioned way of being. And to disrupt that requires slowing down, taking space, And kind of looking inward to see like what's really coming up. What's really true. What am I really feeling? And similar to the circling thing, it's like it's in my body more than my mind. 
There can also be, you know, authentic thought patterns for sure. But it's just really easy to get, like I think if I go into my cognitive thinking space, that's where I can get on a roll really easily on a kind of patterned, like it has a kind of momentum to it. You get into like a thinky thing and you just go and it just keeps going. And before you know it, you've left some source of truthful data behind that lives in the body. So now I'm trying to like sink into my body again. And every time I do, like the further I sink, there's like sadness. Or teariness. I often notice that I will describe teariness as sadness, but it's it's like there's teariness for so many reasons. I discovered it's not just sadness. It's like teariness for relief, teariness for shame, teariness for for teariness. Right then, yeah. So there was like a little bit of like a desire to be a bit jokey coming up and smiling. Uh. <sighs> okay, so that's me trying to connect with my authenticity. But now I notice like a kind of a pressure and a desire to actually kind of dig in in a cognitive way, in a thinky way about this whole authenticity thing. I want to describe it to you in, uh, I don't just want to do it because you're not here in the room with me anyway. And I think this kind of like circling moment to moment, this is what I'm experiencing is, I imagine it'll be quite a weird thing to hear in podcast form because we're not together. So, um, I'm going to move now into a bit more of a cognitive space. But I'm going to try to see if I can keep more of a hold on to something a bit more body-based authenticity, given that that's the theme. So when I talk about authenticity, I'm referring to uh, a kind of honesty or truth that goes deeper into the body and into my experience than what I, you know, traditionally thought of as telling the truth. Authenticity is the, the sensations and feelings and emotions and reactions and, and also like thoughts and parts of me that are active in the present moment. And I mean, that's going on all the time, whether I like it or not. We all have that. And I think the first step of what I'm calling authenticity here is just noticing all of that 
that's that's data that I actually didn't used to look at or even really um, know was there. I was thinking most of the time, and my thoughts and reactions were deeply and are still deeply kind of motivated and controlled by the sensations in my body. But I wasn't noticing the sensations um, in their own separate discreteness. I was just kind of like accepting emotions as reality. Like emotions were just like the way things are. Like almost like they were the, the world or the truth. And I just sort of let them influence me. And I believed the stories that kind of, and, and reactions that were connected to them while also kind of ignoring them and hiding them, especially if they were some form of shame or sadness or anger. That's a big one. Those would all be hidden and pushed away. So authenticity for me was a journey of discovering that there was all that stuff and discovering that I could talk about it. I think that first came in therapy, when my therapist was sort of asking me questions about things that no one had ever asked me before, about like feelings I was having in the moment, about reactions, about um, ways I was looking and I remember there was like a moment where I was like, wait, I'm allowed to talk about that? And it was this, yeah, this almost trippy, relieving, vulnerable thing to start sharing on the level of what I normally kept hidden. And it wasn't like I consciously kept it hidden. It It's almost like it just didn't even occur to me that you even could share that stuff. Like, it was almost unfathomable to me. So, I noticed what was going on inside of me. I discovered in therapy that I could talk about it. And it started to lead to what I'll call self-awareness. I started to see the emotions that were driving my actions and thoughts like engines. This emotion comes up, and then I think a certain thing, and then I do an action. And before, that all just sort of seemed inevitable and like just how things are and what one would do. But now I could see all these kind of choice points and I could do this making myself naked thing. And I could say, and this is very circling, you might notice, you know, when you said that comment to me, I noticed a kind of annoyed reaction came up in me. And then I heard a thought that was like, this person's uh, doing it on purpose. They're out to get me. And I wanted to share that with you. And 
see what it brings up for you. So I'm like completely exposing my inner truths to this person. And in doing so, I am giving them a really true and honest look at the impact they had on me, the way my system is oriented. But I'm also saying that that's not really me. Like, I'm not really, I'm not the annoyed reaction. And I'm not the thing that's thinking, this person's out to get me. It's like, by noticing it and voicing it, I'm implicitly demonstrating that I'm holding these things like objects and I'm exploring them and I'm revealing them from a place of kind of safety and openness. And I'm giving them access to me in a very trusting way and saying like, I want to be in connection with you on a level that is like really deep and true. And I want to be fully seen. And I am sort of implicitly asking them like, how, you know, if I'm like, how does that impact you to hear how it impacted me? I'm inviting them to show themselves to me if they want to. And if they do choose to, it engenders this really deep, sense of connection. Like, wow, this person and I are really seeing each other and really kind of implicitly accepting both our own reactions and each other. And we're being like really honest. And there's something that feels so trustworthy about that. That like, oh, this person is going to show me things that they don't have to show me. They don't even have to tell me. They're not even, they're not like even true or false as such. You know, like there's telling the truth, which is one thing. And then there's this authenticity thing, which is like, just happens to be all this other really important data that doesn't really, like not sharing it isn't a lie, really. It's just that we're not showing the fullness of our experience of the moment. So it can engender deep, deep, deep connection and trust also creates a sense of self-connection and self-trust and self-awareness, as I've said. To see what's going on inside of me, to recognize that it's not inevitable, it's not the only options, and that in a way, it's not like my full self. It's just like, these are the reactions coming up right now. To be able to see them and hold them and to differentiate them and then to share them and express them, it, it gives me such a sense of self-authorship in a way. It's like, yeah, there's these reactions and thought patterns and emotions that just come up unconsciously. I, don't, I really don't choose them. 
but by noticing them and talking about them, I'm able to carve out the space around them in order to decide how I'm going to react to them. I notice that when I make what I ultimately decide are not great decisions, that they happen fast and that I don't give myself time to sink down into my body and really check, like, is this what I want to do? Is this uh, something I really value? And it's like, on a lot of these occasions, the, the compass of do I value it is feelings in my body. It's not like thinking through morals and ethics in my head. It's like a sense in my gut that I race over that says no. Um, an example is com- coming up of I was checking into an Airbnb and when I got there, there was someone standing at the door like punching in, the, the, you know, has like a key code and they were like, my code isn't working. And I felt this like pressure it was sort of like a shared Airbnb, like multiple rooms with different people. And part of me was like, well, how do you know that this person is staying here? And like, what if this person's like breaking into this Airbnb? And then another part of me was like, that's pretty unlikely. Plus, it would be kind of insulting to this person to insinuate that they're some kind of criminal. So, you should just punch in your code and let them in. And I just... Well, I just laid out for you like kind of this like these two sides, but really it was just like a instantaneous like, ooh, should I? Well, I don't want to insult them, so I did it. I just punched in the code and let them in. And it turned out, I think, <laughs> that they were staying there. <laughs> I never saw them again, but they didn't like, the place wasn't robbed or anything. But I would have preferred, even though I probably would have ended up making this same decision and this, this, I'm now feeling a kind of like embarrassed part coming up saying like, this is a pretty trivial example. But nonetheless, I would have preferred to pause and give the part of me that was saying, hey, wait, a chance to plead its case and to feel through it and then really weigh it out like, oh, okay. So it's just like I noticed that by being this quick, sudden decision based on not offending this other person, felt like I was betraying some truth inside of me, rather than like really pausing and being like, hmm, okay, let me think about this. Let me me sense into what I want to do in this moment. And like listening to the part that said like, oh, what if this is, you know, bad or something. And then listening to the other part that might say like, you could ask them some questions or something. So that's just an example of how speed and kind of reactionary, you know, like it actually seemed even to me, if I paused, it would be an insult to this person. 
so you you can get a sense of how geared my system is towards the feelings of another person. It's like in a confrontation, in a in a conflict, in a moment of uncertainty, the first thing that comes up, the most powerful thing is, well, what's this other person going to feel and think about me? And that tends to basically overrule uh, everything else. And pausing is hard to do. Going slow is hard to do because of that concern. But I've noticed that if I make a practice of moving slowly, you know, I saw this person standing there at the top of the stairs. I could have literally walked up the stairs more slowly. I could have taken a spacious kind of approach giving myself time and almost like context like to say hey i'm i'm thinking and i'm taking things slowly and then when confronted with them saying like oh my code isn't working i could have used my pre-existing slowness to pause and take in the situation and figure out what I wanted to say or ask or think. I could have even shared. If I took the time to notice what was going on inside of me, I could have shared it. I could have said, I'm noticing part of me is worried, like, oh, I'm not the landlord. Should I be letting other people into this unit? And then I could have just waited to see what reaction this person had. They might have been like, yeah, I totally get that. Uh, I can show you my reservation on the Airbnb app. Um, I've been communicating with whatever the landlord's name was. And that would have been probably enough detail for me to feel trust that I could let this person in. So that's an example of me well, what I could have done to slowly take in what was really going on for me authentically and then share it authentically and vulnerably. And in doing so, be more connected to my values and integrity and make better choices and connect more deeply with other people by revealing to this person I am showing them my humanity and my imperfection and my truth and my uncertainty. And I'm creating a moment of like just human to human being seenness. And it might, I often find, inspire them to share as well. Like, yeah, I also feel really embarrassed and uncomfortable and I'm frustrated that the host has given me this key code that doesn't work and I'm in a position where I'm standing here and having to ask strangers to help me out. It's, it's sucks. And then it'd be like, oh, I made a little friend at the Airbnb 
And so I've sort of shown how that's an example of how I would have preferred to have acted in that situation. And it's also an example of like community, of treating, this is a big, another big value that's coming up for me. Like I've been really, I've been valuing community. I've been saying that that's my value, but I've been kind of holding it like my community is the people I choose to be my community. Like my community is my friends and my colleagues or you know, if I, if I had colleagues <sighs> and this moment of fantasized authenticity that I'm describing and potential connection, that I think is actually an even more meaningful community builder because it's just the humans I happen to be around, strangers, um, you know, even like neighbors or people on the bus or someone in a store. It's like, these humans that are all around me all the time, but I tend to kind of ignore them. I avert my eyes. I kind of pretend like they're not there. I I give them space. And, you know, part of that is like, we're just coming out of this pandemic and people used to really want space and they used to literally cross the street to avoid each other. And, but nonetheless, there's also like kind of this block inside me that like, I don't want I don't want to connect with strangers. You don't connect with strangers. That's the story in me. But by being more authentic, by being kind of like courageous about sharing with people that I find myself forced together with, it's creating this sense of like potential safety and community and connection anywhere with anyone, a kind of like human community uh, with more abundance and probably more of a sense of belonging. So that's kind of a, (laughs) I don't know what that was, a weird little anecdote, but I'm kind of hoping that it has started to reveal what I think authenticity means and what I think is important about it. I think it's important to note, however, that I don't believe that authenticity is um, like a, a should. This, I don't believe, even though like I value authenticity and it is my practice and I think it's something that a lot of people would associate with me. Like AJ is trying to be as vulnerable and authentic as he can all the time. I don't believe that we owe authenticity to other people per se. You know, Brene Brown would actually say something like, you know, vulnerability should only be shared with those who've earned the right to hear it. It's a sort of paraphrase of what Brene Brown would say. And I'm a little bit more open than that. I would say, like, I find utility in sharing vulnerability with people I've just met, even, in order to 
create a context between us that's inviting of vulnerability. So I don't know this person, they haven't earned anything, but I'm just saying, hey, here's how I would like us to be. Is This is what I'm going to share. And if you want to share on that level, again, like I'm inviting it, but you don't have to. And I'm not going to demand it of anyone either. Well, maybe I have in the past, but I don't think that I don't think that vulnerability and authenticity is something that we can demand. And I don't think it's something that we, oh, I think it's a decision that we make and it's a, it's something that we strive for if we want to. And again, it's, it's a try. It's a try. I'm going to try when I want to, when it feels right, to figure out what my authentic truth is. And I'm going to try when I think it is right to share it. And I'm not necessarily going to plumb the full depths of my authenticity. Like, once you start going down this authenticity tunnel, you discover that it's you can go deeper and deeper. And I think that's partially facilitated by the fact that we are not one homogenous truth. We're not like, oh, my authentic truth is X. It's more like, wow, there's a sea of authentic truths down here. And some of them are contradictory. Part of me is feeling this, but another part of me is feeling that. And part of me is thinking and wanting this. And another part of me is thinking and wanting the exact opposite. So, authenticity is a deep, mysterious, paradoxical place. And the more I try to sink into it, the the more uh, I discover its complexity. And there are situations where I don't, I actually just am like, no, I don't feel safe or I don't feel ready or I don't feel compelled or I don't have the energy or the interest to be fully authentic right now. Or there are times when certainly I decide it's not appropriate to the situation, to the context. You know, I used this example in the last episode on circling, but if I'm in some kind of work environment and I notice some kind of authentic sexual energy coming up, I might decide not to share that with someone who is under my power. If if there's something kind of potentially really edgy or impactful, if I'm going to share it with anyone in like a work type environment, I would want to go up the chain of command. I would want to share that with my superiors, not people who are beneath me. Because the people beneath me, I have power over, and my authenticity has a really strong impact on them, but they aren't positioned in a way that they could necessarily be empowered to fully um, reveal what the impact is, or to feel safe to do so. Um, Nor would it be necessarily appropriate for a superior to kind of be demanding vulnerability and authenticity from someone beneath them. It's, it doesn't, that doesn't feel correct to me somehow. But I can always go up to people above me or to mentors and reveal difficult truths to them because they're the ones who can hold the space and have the power. And they can then mentor or help me 
figure out how best to navigate um, a difficult piece of authenticity like sexual energy or attraction. So authenticity is not a mandate as such. It's a, it's something, it's a skill, uh, it's a tool that can be employed and I, uh, I get a lot of utility out of it when I do, but it's still something that I get to decide for myself. And I guess maybe this is the last point I want to make. I'm, I'm feeling a bit uncertain that I've done authenticity justice, but I feel like I've been talking for quite some time. So I should maybe wrap up. In my authenticity journey lately, I have noticed that all, basically all the time I am... I'm doing something and the something that I seem to be doing in, in all of my behavior is trying to be liked essentially by other people. And that's, that is true in this moment as well. I'm talking to no one, but I'm imagining someone might listen. And there's like a part of me that wants to be liked, that wants to be impressive that wants to be useful, that wants to be um, basically promoting to everyone that I have worth and value so that I will not be rejected, forgotten, um, neglected by like society, I guess. So there's like this goal that is just constantly coloring everything. And in fact, to some extent, the whole existence of this podcast and the work I do around shame for others is colored by this desire to be liked, this, this, this desire, obviously like for, it's a kind of safety, it's like, looking for the safety and also I would imagine the joy of feeling wanted or needed or connected or appreciated and also avoiding, it's, there's also a, a negative motivation of avoiding the, the shame, fear of feeling worthless, valueless, um, forgotten <laughs> useless so those are those are kind of like these forces that are constantly swirling around me and um pushing certain kinds of actions ways of speaking things that are said uh and ways of being and as i explore authenticity I start to see that pattern and realize that that is not um, what I would call fully authentic. Like, obviously, 
it is authentically true that I have that pattern. But there's something, I think, beneath it, something more true, or also true, that doesn't get shared when I let that one piece direct everything. So, authenticity for me would be about showing the full picture as much as I can, rather than just letting one true piece of the puzzle dominate. So, yeah, so for me, authenticity has this fullness or this um, this striving for fullness. It's also like blind spots and shadow that I don't yet see, and that will not get included in my authenticity naturally. But it's this journey. It's this trying to always go further and sink deeper into what is really going on for me. So lately, I've been trying to sink below this dominant pattern of wanting to be liked. And I want to I want to say something about this pattern. It's like it feels when I'm in this pattern like my attention is always as I said, you know, in this Airbnb example, my my attention immediately goes to what will this other person think of me. And so it feels like I'm always focused on everyone else. But what I'm realizing is that I'm actually focused on what everyone else thinks of me. So it sort of feels like I'm looking outward, but it's actually, I'm going to use the word (laughs) selfish. Maybe that's not as charitable as it could be, but though I am looking at you always trying to have a certain impact on you, it's for me. So I'm trying to make you feel and think certain things about me all the time in order for me to feel good, gratified, safe. So it's this kind of like layer of manipulation, really. And it's really, it's ever-present. It's overpowering. It's, it's really, um, really strong. So naturally, I'm trying to sink beneath it. And sometimes I can, and it's almost like I sink underwater. And above the water, there's all this stuff going on that is this please like me pattern. But I'm in this sort of like quiet, still, dark space below it. And in that space, there's like all this new data that I'm not normally connected to of like, wait, if I if I'm if I go up to that level of please like me, I'm trying to get this person to like me. But when I sink down beneath that, I discover that I don't even really like this person. So it's like, why am I trying why am I wasting time trying to like win this person over when down here in this deeper level of authenticity, I don't even really value this connection. So there's like these dark truths down there that are quite hard to face because some of them upend really fundamental pieces of my life. To discover that like deep down, 
I feel something quite different than I thought about important kind of topics or values or pursuits. And I also find that to get to this deeper place, I have to relax this this body in authenticity. There's like this way in which my body gets poised. It's also, it's the way I speak. It's the way I hold myself. It's the way I clasp my hands. So I have this kind of pattern of trying to be very poised, trying to be symmetrical and almost stoic and looking kind of um, neutral, but smiley and standing upright and looking put together and impressive and all these things. And it's very useful. It's like this mediagenic thing that I've cultivated that's, that people seem to like. It's like it's cultivated so that people like it. And it doesn't feel super fake, but it's not the deepest down truth either. And so I find that to like get deeper down, I have to kind of like uncross my legs, slump in my chair, open my mouth even. I have this big thing about always having my mouth closed, for example. I actually remember at a very young age, like somewhere between like six and 12, walking to elementary school and seeing, passing this other kid going, in another direction, who's had his mouth hanging open. And I remember thinking like, ugh, he looks like a moron, like a slack-jawed idiot. I will never be seen with my mouth hanging open. I will be poised and taut and implacable and robotic and powerful in this masculine, uh, emotionless way. And, I, and I, you know, as I reflect back on that now, it's not like I just invented that. Like, that was obviously something that was already being conditioned into me from the outside. But I've held on to that. And it has served me well for things like doing a podcast or doing a talk or winning people over or making people feel comfortable or making people like me. Like, I actually think I've been quite successful at using this collection of mildly inauthentic presentations to cultivate the the life I thought I wanted. But if I let go of all of that, if I just sink down and kind of like melt a bit and let go of what I look like and how I'm holding myself and just sort of like let it all sink then I reach a place that feels more fully true. And I think that is the place I really trust, even though it's often quite edgy down there. It feels like that's a place that I want to be in touch with, especially when I'm making an important decision 
or trying to be of service or trying to lead or trying to connect with something like really honest to carve out the space to pause, to be silent, to move slowly, to relax my body, to let go of these micro performances and dip into that and sort of like, I want to bring that with me. Uh, I, w- I would love to get to a place, which I'm so not at, where I walk around in the world holding myself from that place all the time. And I'm not just like a reed in the wind that blows here and there based on the social pressures and contexts around me. But, but rather this like deeply rooted sort of tree maybe that brings its own truth and its own context and value around with it and kind of just like spreads that out. That's what I would love to do. And I think that there's also something spiritual maybe about this like deep place. There's something like staying centered and rooted in that place seems like some the start of some kind of spiritual practice that I don't fully understand yet. But there seems to be some real depth and meaning to it. So that's the journey that I'm on around authenticity. Ah... <sighs>